And then, then he says, hey, why didn't you ask Ray Aziz to be your drummer? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out how did Jimmy we know Ray. So maybe, yeah, I vaguely remember, I think, maybe Ray was working with him. I got to ask him, uh, just, <laughs> so remember, of course, you need to call him Ray Anaconda. Aziz. Ray Anaconda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we Offici- should do that. Officially, 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 call him yeah. Ray Anaconda Aziz. But what do your <laughs> students call you? <laughs> <laughs> Tell that. <laughs> Tell that. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, welcome to another. Marvelous episode of Lion City Rock, the only podcast that gives you everything that you never knew you needed to know about Singapore music, uh, Singapore's pop scene, past, present, and future. Today, we're, we're very fortunate to have one guy who has seen it all, all the way from, from the back, way back when in the 90s, when he was in, uh, he had, you know, he performed with bands, uh, so many of them uh, if you want to start counting them, it'll take us the whole entire hour. So, you know, but bands like uh, Throb, Soling Madness, he played for groups like Popland, he played for Observatory, he played for practically every single... OP, you know, OP. OP, yes. Opposition Party as well. I mean, every, practically every single genre of music you could think of that was generated back in the 90s all the way through to now, he's, he's been a part of that. So... We want to have a very big welcome for Mr. Ray Aziz. Yay! Hey. Hello, Ray. How are you? Hey, you, for, you forgot Anaconda. And, sorry. Ray Anaconda Aziz. That's his official title. That's his official, that's official title. title, yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for having me. Really uh, humble and very honored for the invite to join you guys today. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, I mean, I think, I think the first time I met you was probably with opposition party or I, I, I can't remember uh, I mean <laughs> that I mean, far back it's been many many years ago la, bro but no, uh, no. I think it was probably one of those things you know uh, hanging out at TNP uh, meeting mm. each other at gigs you know yeah, yeah so, so at yeah, the substation probably, or something like that maybe yes, yeah. back in the good old days la. <laughs> the good old days. Well, maybe the, since you since you mentioned that, let's talk about it. How do you get into into music? Actually, when you was drums, you're you're, you're a drummer. So. How far you want me to go? Uh? Childhood <laughs> or, yes. or the skin, yeah, uh? the, the very beginning. Okay. Uh, as long as I can remember, right? I think uh, my father really played a big part in uh, planting that seed of curiosity when it came when it came to uh, music, lah. I remember I was very young. I was uh, playing around with his vinyls, and you know that that multiple deck kind of hi-fi system with the mm. big ass speakers at the side. Yeah, I, I was uh, playing his Boniem records, his BGs, mm. his uh, Earth Wind Fire. You know those kind of thing. Yeah. Jackson Five. So I was, I was, I was, I was, if I'm not mistaken, I was like maybe eight or nine. Uh, my, if my memory serves me correctly, and I was just playing around with it, uh, just listening to his vinyls. I remember uh, he bought me my very first Beatles cassette. Was it, uh, it was a mixtape like, cassette uh, from somewhere in Badola. I can't remember where. Um, <laughs> once I listened to the Beatles, yeah, uh, Ringo really uh, inspired me to be want to be like him. So it, actually, the Beatles played a big part in my influence also. Mm. I remember making. Uh, drum, a drum set out of uh, makeshift pillows, pots and pans, using my my mom's uh, you know the chopsticks and just playing along the records and the cassette. So my, those were my earliest uh, childhood memory of being involved and being immersed in music. And then uh, fast forward a few years uh, down the years, uh, I remember when I was like, you know, seventeen, eighteen, uh, Polytechnic, I just started this listening to, oh yeah, I mean, my brother Dean also played a part. He got into the music scene uh, before me, mm. um, Silent Sorrow, yeah. Um, and uh, he, he, at home, he also influenced me on my, uh, 
what I listened to. You know, at first I thought Guns and Roses. When we first played Guns and Roses, I thought it was a satanic band. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my starting point, guys. Look at me, you know, I'm playing with opposition party and observation. But um, yeah, uh, I didn't know I knew nuts about about uh, music back then. So Dean really helped me shape my my perspective, my thinking, and uh, provided me that wide array of um, genres to listen to. And I remember going to my first jamming session was probably in TNT, uh, just a bunch of Nian Poly technic, uh, classmates. Just getting ready. I didn't start out as a, as a drummer actually. I started out as a guitarist. I remember bringing this really cheapo Aria electric guitar to TNT, and uh, a boy was giving me that dirty look. I don't know why. But <laughs> first time inside the, the the TNT music, I can uh, the studio. I remember you know just playing Bon Jovi songs under those easy easy chords, you know. And then uh, started hanging out there a little bit more. Got to know a boy and the gang. A little bit more, a little bit better. We got close, you know. And then slowly, um, my interest in music grew as I, uh, as I hung out with uh, those guys more. And then at TNT, you know, like it's a mecca of different kinds of, you know, uh, genres of bands playing, and so it was so interesting. And it fed the the that I was I was like a sponge. I really wanted to to get into this new sensation, you know, when the first time you actually play an instrument or exposed to, to live music playing, uh, it, it really woke me up and uh, that's how my interest in music and my passion in music started actually. And, uh, and then I formed, uh, I got to know KG, uh, Glenn, Rizal, uh, and, then we, and Jack Chong. And uh, we, we formed our the first uh, lineup of uh, Solo Madness. Lah. And, uh, that's where my journey actually started from uh, my very first uh, local band. So what year was that? Wow. If I'm not mistaken, it was just the beginning of 1990. Wow. <laughs> wow. 1990. I remember because uh, I joined OP in 91. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. That's, that's what I remember. Because I, I formed uh, Soling Madness first. We toured uh, Malaysia a lot. We played in Singapore. Then uh, as, that, that's, that's when I first started to hone my craft. You know, I started learning double pedal, I started to practice, really put in a lot of effort to practice. And then when I was good enough, uh, I received a call from uh, uh, Francis. Oh no, Evan, Evan. Uh, Evan was the bassist back then. Mm. Still was the bassist. So he asked me, okay, come and join now. I'm looking for a drama. So uh, I went for the, the jam. Uh, they, they like what they hear. Uh, so they, the rest is history, lah, as you say. So, so what was your first gig? Well, my first gig, uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember playing at this warehouse somewhere in Teluk Blanga. I have the, it's the, I, I can't remember the name of the gig, but it was just, I think it was an impromptu gig. Uh-huh. The mic stand, I remember, was not a real mic stand. It was actually a dustpan. <laughs> I swear to God, and then they were they, they taped the microphone at the, to the tip of the, of the dustbin and we were just, you know, jamming away. Wow. Yeah. So that was my very first jam, if I'm not mistaken. We have a very good picture of it and I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was on the album of our, of our very first uh, demo tape for Swirling Madness. Okay. Din Din was the, the he was guest singing. Like, I mean, everybody knew each other, so, you know, we like, come and sing together. But you know, like, the hardcore scene is like that one. So, so that was the that started everything, and then uh, the more we the more I played with OP. OP, okay. Other than Swelling Madness, we, uh, who really uh, started that fire for me, OP was the the band that really got me to uh, really wanted to become the best that I can be as a drummer. Uh, because okay, we started playing punk, you know, but. As the more we played, the more I, I, I practiced, I got better. And then uh, we got heavier and heavier, as you all know. By the time Danny Lim joined us, we were like, wow, total mutate, totally mutated into uh, uh, another genre of punk music. Uh, a marriage between metal and punk. Like, but 
by then I was uh, yeah I wanted to be younger just like any young punk who's uh, playing music I wanted to 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 play for the rest of my life you know uh, that didn't turn out well uh, but no regrets you know uh, started all the I, I I became a sponge so that started my music uh, journey lah we were. Well, were you so were you were you on the recording for new school rock as well? Uh, I I have recorded so many things. I remember new school rock we have lah. I mean, uh, we I had two songs with Soling Madness. Op also recorded for for new school rock. Mm, mm. Yeah. After but you also had, if I remember correctly, you also had like started, um, like playing with other bands as well. Yeah. Okay. How how that began is okay. I I played with OP from ninety one, and then all the way then all the way to ninety four. Ninety four. I was uh, I I was working as a. I I remember very clearly. I was working as a sales engineer at the telecoms, uh, company. He really hated the job, lah. So not, not, I'm not the sit down kind of guy, lah. You guys should know. But uh, you know, in '94, I just decided, hey, enough of this. You know, I I I really want to do uh, go into music full time and see how far I can go. So I I applied to Musicians uh, Institute in Hollywood, California, and uh, sent in audition thing. And then they listened to it. I got a call at three o'clock in the morning because it was uh, LA time over there. So I was groggy. I was this bugger who's speaking American, you know, slang. And then he said, they said that uh, Mr. Ray, you, you have been accepted into MI. Wow. Mm. Wow. That really woke me up. Didn't need coffee or anything. Just woke me up and I was so happy. It's every musician's dream. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To go to an institution like that. Uh, all my all my favorite uh, Drummers, most of them came from there as well. So I got up 3 a.m. in the morning. I started typing out my resignation letter. <laughs> the very same morning, I went to my boss. I said, "Thank you very much, but uh, I think I, I I'm going to go in another direction." And that's how it happened for me. My LA journey for one year. Mm. Went to LA, didn't know anybody there. Oh, and uh, this is a very interesting fact. I I met uh, Norman from the Dongs. Oh, you remember the dance, Norman? Yeah, yes, yes. I met him at the airport, you know, Changi. He said, hey, where are you going? I said, I'm going to LA. Then, was such a coincidence, he was going to uh, UCLA. Oh, okay. He was going to UCLA. So, I, I, I told him, I, I'm alone. I have I, 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 I credit card, and I, but I, I have no idea where I'm going. But I know Musicians Institute is my destination. I didn't even know where I was going to stay. Wow. So, he told me, okay, never mind. Uh, I'm actually back in Singapore for a break, but I'm returning to UCLA. Here's my number. I'm staying at this co-op for students. If you're interested, you can book up. Lah. That's how we met. And and, and uh, that's how my, my, my friendship with uh, uh, Norman started as well. So I, I went to LA, stayed at Hollywood Inn, I think, uh, or Holiday Inn, Holiday Inn, for three days. Then I... I, I, I I did my, all my registering, my admin stuff for MI before the term started, before the semester started. Called Norman up and Norman, hey, come on, take, take bus from this uh, Hollywood place to, to, to this UCLA campus nearby. There's a co-op and uh, we stayed together. So me and Norman became uh, uh, roommates for a year. Best one year of my life. Not just because I was with him, but because of my LA experience. In LA, it was... It was a, it was an eye opener. It was a life changing experience for me because that uh, it was when I realized that okay, this is something that I really want to do and I really can do it with, with hard work like perseverance. Mm. So every day I went to class. You know, one the thing about about MI is is um, that that really surprised me was they they when when you say you eat sleep and shit music twenty four hours a day. This place embodies that spirit. 
Mm. Telling you, man, <laughs> everywhere you go, huh? Wow. You see people carrying. Oh, I don't know how to describe. You can see people carrying their instruments, practicing on the pavement. Even the janitors and security guards are musicians, guys. Wow. Anyway. Wow. So sometimes when I clock in, ah, uh, security guard will be practicing on his trumpet, <laughs> practicing his his on his guitar. Amazing. And uh, my, my the, the the drum teachers, the music teachers there, was at that time was the who's who lah in the music industry. Joe Pocaro was my jazz teacher. Jazz wow. Pocaro, jazz yeah. Pocaro's father from Toto. He wow. was my jazz teacher. Yeah, so amazing guys, um, amazing uh, staff, amazing atmosphere. Uh, that's why uh, it spurred me on because you know I, I had to take a loan from my parents. My mom has taken 30, 30k wow. just to stay there for for a year. I I, I had to pay back like pay back ladies. So I'm, I'm <laughs> That's a lot of money back in mid nineties. Yeah, mid nineties. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you go to a place like Hollywood, you know, not cheap, lah. Mm. Yeah, that's true. You have to buy equipment. You have to buy textbooks. You have to buy, uh, you know, the daily needs. But yeah, really opened my eyes. Best one year of my life, really. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Uh. Not going to be that, but uh, yeah, changed my life and graduated with honors. I came back to Singapore and myself okay i try it all out just to be in the entertainment industry see where it takes me okay um, i did well for a while you know I, I i came back i i had the fortunate i was fortunate enough to to work for jimmy Wee, the legend, ah. the legend jimmy Wee from spring row right this was in pony canyon yeah so i, I remember doing a lot of uh, event management Organizing mm. concerts for mm-hmm. fans at Zoop. You remember those days? Yes, yes. Zoop, uh, yeah. And uh, then I, I left uh, Spring Bowl and then I continued doing what I was doing at Room Full of Blues, the, right. the, the cafe bar. Small little dingy dark uh, restaurant come pop whereby the jamming studios open air. Right, yeah. I used to have a lot of uh, local bands. I searched out local bands. I contacted them. Come and play, you know, for a small nominal fee or free beer. But I never tell Stephen and the owner. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, those were the days. Uh, then I, I I remember in '97, I was 27 years old. Uh, really working hard by then, you know, trying to get into entertainment business. I did a lot of recordings, and that's why I played with so many bands because. Uh, LA, LA changed my perspective of music, you know. I went for the first day of MI, I remember, by my, this, we call it the drum mentor, instructor, mm-hmm. sat down with me, okay, show me what you've got. And what I got, I thought was very good, you know. So I sat down, I set up my, my double pedal and straight away, heavy shit came up. But, you know, after that, you know, going through the, the curriculum in MI because they, they teach you not just basic drumming, but they teach you different genres as well. Ah, okay. So I tried to soak in as much as I could. I played in the big band, I played in big band module, I played in jazz module, Latin module, I was practicing really hard. So in a way, my one year in LA, I I I, I during that time my 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 metal roots lah, I, I put mm. it just I, stuck, I never lost it. I just stuck it in one little corner, keep it safe, while the rest of while I spend the rest of the time trying to expose myself to different genres, right? Playing different kinds of, of music, and that translated back when I returned to Singapore. Mm. So when I came back to Singapore, I rejoined OP, but I I sought out opportunities to work with uh, different bands. Try to uh, the whole I try I tried to look for. The whole spectrum of, of genre, but you know that's why I worked with uh, Sugarflies, one of the first few bands. Kevin mm. also one of my long time collaborators in music. Also, I I I played with him for so many years. Yeah. Uh, different bands lah. You know, I played in Hokkien bands before. There's this uh, <laughs> there's this album that uh, Li Piao from OP and yeah. Francis and I, three of us, we recorded some Mandarin come Hokkien. Punk drinking songs. <laughs> I can send you the, the link lights on Spotify. Someone post, posted recently, right? Bank and, 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 yeah, 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 correct. So, yeah, I forgot that I recorded that. So, that's how many bands I, and, and things I, 
and albums that I recorded until I sometimes I forget. But yeah, I mean, I I've never regretted my decision when I came back from LA to really uh, experience different stuff. You know, uh, playing with different genres, playing with different music. I think it is not the the journey that's important. Not people tell me, is the destination important? Or is the journey more important for you? But I always tell them it is both are not important to me. To me, the most important the most important thing to me is the company. Yeah. So mm. all these years, right? Yes, a lot of experiences, a lot of memories. But what really molded me as a musician was the company. People yeah. like, like Kevin, Opi, all the bands that and musicians that I've played with made me who I am lah today as a musician. And finally, as a music educator, music yeah. teacher. Mm. You know, actually, Ray, uh, it's an interesting story because how we actually got to ask you to play for the crowd and then pop them. It's actually Jimmy Wee, right? Because at the time mm-hmm. we were because he was he they wanted to release the crowd, right? The pop album. Then you say, hey, you should you should you should get a live drummer. You should go and, uh, get in touch with this guy, Ray Aziz. <laughs> That's how it happened. <laughs> I remember also, Jimmy also told me about you guys. Never regret, lah, Kevin. Yes. <laughs> I mean, 25 years, man. <laughs> wow, I can't. When you say it like that, I, wow, I can't believe it. Really can't believe. You're getting old, dude. I think it's. I think it's also quite interesting. You mentioned earlier that that uh, you know, Ringo was one of your earliest drumming influences because you actually got to be Ringo, uh, when the Ops played White Album. <laughs> I remember that gig really well. Yes, yes. Arts remember- Fest. Arts Fest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, some gardeny place, right? Yeah, was I think. At- I think it was at the uh, opposite the Padang. Yeah, yeah, Padang. and that was the first time I I brought my my. Two boys, they were real little little kids. They, mm. they were my youngest one was like maybe one class two years old. Wow. Yeah. Uh and, and I remember it was the first time I brought my boys there and I had a lot of fun. Okay. The thing about playing with observatory, right? I don't know whether you guys know this now, but quite stressful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because number one, it's a totally new genre for me. I mean, we talk about jazz. Big band on that thing. Yeah. These are all common genres, but we, I don't know how to how to. There's no way we can pigeonhole observatory. They have always been evolving, evolving, evolving. Mm. So for me, right now, besides OP, that really challenged me to my limits. I think observatory was the other band besides Trop. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, observatory was the band that really pushed me. Also, so uh, these bands, OP, Trop. Uh, observatory really pushed me to the limits as to what I, uh, I, I can be as a drummer, because you need to. It's not just straightforward for four la, you know. You have to really, especially for observatory. I mean, their music is so. I have no words lah, but you guys know them very well, right? I know. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but yeah, you know the the. We are talking about really in detail the nuances, you know, yeah. the different parts of the song. You know, and uh, sometimes they, they, they play around a lot with time signatures as well. I, I really enjoy that. There's one song in the album that I recorded for them until today. Uh, I, I don't know what time signature it is. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was still able to play. You know why not? Because they make me play with feel. So when you play with feel, I don't need any piece of paper in front of me. When you play with feel, it just comes naturally to you. Uh, I remember that song, me and me and uh, Victor, we were really going to do it. And, and yeah, like what I said, until today, I, I can't, I don't even know what the time signature for the song is. So that was the beauty of playing observatory. Stressful during recording also, you know, because they are looking for a certain sound. I had to tune my drum to a certain sound as well. I had to play a certain way to complement their, their, their usual playing. Because these guys have been together for years. I just joined them. So it was a very good two years, two years with them, two to three years. Yeah. So I'm very thankful for this, all these uh, memories that, that the both of you are bringing. Yeah. Back. yeah. Can we go back a little bit? Sure, sure. Right? Because we, we did talk about, I, I want you to share a little bit about your time with Spring Row 
Pony Canyon, and maybe talk about. I mean, what was the scene like back then? What did you do? Let's say day to day, right? To what were your what are your responsibilities? What did you have to do? And oh, like at, uh, at, at Spring Roll. Uh, at Spring Roll, yeah. Okay, basically, uh, I had to contact a lot of bands because that was uh, Jimmy's vision for Spring Roll. Mm. Uh, we wanted to really bring out, uh, bring local bands up to another level, give them platforms to showcase their talents and just put their music out there. So I remember making cold calls to band members, asking them if they are interested in in, in playing. Uh, Jimmy was uh, Jimmy. That, that's why uh, we 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 tried to organize as many local gigs as possible. Uh, I don't know whether both of you remember Counter Culture at Neon Poly, a legendary gig from yeah, the first yes, by yes. Levi's. Yeah. That was done by that was done by Spring Road. So, yeah. Uh, and then subsequent gigs, the the uh, the Heatwave series. I don't know whether Heatwave but then, uh, yeah, but too many to count. And 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 we realized, okay, the local scene, we did a lot for for the local bands. Okay, the concerts, the showcasing of the bands, at small little venues. But I think Jimmy understood that it was not making money. Mm. That's the thing. So so he was, we also worked with international organizations to bring in no doubt, you know, Putin and the Blowfish also collaborated with the organizers. So it's just a balance, lah, you know, you have to at least uh, uh, make a spring roll stay uh, stay afloat. Mm. So uh, he did a lot of uh, event event management. Basically, we didn't really manage bands. We didn't really record albums for bands. We did compilations more, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So that was basically what I was doing uh, in my in my short time at uh, Springville. So how how do you find? I mean, what was the fan response like in those days? Uh, you know, were were the bands really really supported by 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 the locals? That was I, if I'm not mistaken, right? Okay, the more established ones, uh, they have their own fan base. I guess uh, I can safely say that whenever we had, okay, whenever we had gigs, like for instance, and so you know, or Sparks, uh, uh, it, it it was not because of the lack of fans, but I think it was because it was the first time that fans needed to pay above what they are used to. Like, you know, remember substation days, $3, $4. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. But suddenly, you know, but out of good intentions, we, we wanted to provide local bands with a better stage, mm. you know, a nice professional stage with, with sound engineer and stuff like that. But, but uh, on, the other, on the other hand, now fans realize that, oh shit, now I'm going to pay 10, 12 bucks. Uh, and most of them were still students, still studying. So in a way, they, we didn't really attract as much attention as we want, or we didn't really uh, reach the uh, the amount of uh, or the number of audience that we wanted to. You know, but at least for me, we gave the the local bands that experience lah, mm. and hopefully that experience will will spur them on to to you know, to other greater things. Yeah, that uh, and, and chase their dreams, no? But yeah, I mean, uh, they have their fans. I think. I think at back then, uh, I mean, substation was still packed. You know, whenever we had gigs yeah. there, so I would I would say that yes, the the bands back then still had their fan base. You know, all all, all the different genres, uh, shoegaze, indie, whatever you want to call it. You know, they, they still had their fan base who attended uh, substation gigs. So did you have to deal much with media-wise? I mean, in terms of newspapers or radio, TV? Uh, not really, you know. Because ultimately, if anybody wanted to speak to us, uh, Jimmy was the person they turned to. Lah. So I, I, I remember we, I didn't really have to deal a lot with media. Media maybe uh, to, uh, because of uh, the sponsorship uh, or coverage of... Uh, Gigs that we wanted to promote, like like um, counterculture and Neon was a good example. I had to work with Levi's people, big organization, you know, and then uh, yeah, MTV. I remember working oh, okay. closely with MTV back then, getting Nadia to come down to host the show, Mike Casey to come down to host the show. Yeah, so yeah, basically it's, it's just for media coverage, 
and sponsorship it was only. I think one of the things also back then, I mean, because you also mentioned the community spirit and stuff like that that was happening. It was uh, it was very interesting in that, like, uh, while there were all these different genres of, of bands playing, everybody was willing to really help each other out. I remember going to a gig and then I can't remember which band came up to me and they were, oh, could you do my nest sitting in? For this because our guitarist last minute cannot make it. So I agree with you and, and, and I experienced myself too, you know, like I remember backstage at substation, uh, uh, musicians were like lending or borrowing other musicians gear, you know, hey, yeah, take my, my turn later, you, you use first, you use first, you know, that kind of thing. Hey, my string broke, okay, never mind, I got some, man. you know, the kind of camaraderie, the young spirit, um, uh, I, I think that is one part of uh, the local scene that uh, not many people have seen. Yes. You know? I think it is the it, it is the more personal experiences of uh, the musicians themselves who yes. actually have to go through all these things. And yeah, we were we were not. I mean, we we were half of us were students back then, not working, not earning that much money. So gear to us is uh, you know sometimes we need to borrow rent or. Sometimes still, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So so that that aspect of uh, gigs and performing experience, I think a lot of that uh, are not seen by 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 my people. But they are very good memories for musicians to have. And you know, as far as as we can, I think it's good that we, we share this experience so that you know people actually see the positive side of that negative connotations of of, of the local scene. The alternative so, culture. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with alternative culture. I mean, uh, right now, right now I don't see much of that kind of thing. Am I the only one feeling it here? <laughs> you know, that camaraderie, that, that, you know. I think, I think, I mean, I, I think it's also because there's very few these sort of so-called variety gigs going on. Mm. I mean, the last time I went, the last one I went to, they had mm. a variety of people were I think Charlie Lim, Steve McQueen's, and Denny, mm. all three of them playing very different styles of, of music in a way. And that was the only time. But yeah, I mean, like after the after their sets, yeah, yeah. hanging out, yeah, yeah. chatting or swapping yeah, stories. It is, or yeah, it is, it's very, very different actually. Because, okay, of course, we have not had gigs for almost two years. But mm. even before then, um, like the, 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 the scene is very, very different. So it's, it's not like, it's not really, there are not many bands anymore. It's mm. mostly all these like solo acts. Then they're either rappers or they're one girl singer and then they have somebody on, on the laptop and things like that. So it's very, very different. It's a very, very different scene from, from what yeah, we were doing yeah. in the 90s. Very, yeah. very, very different. Yeah, I kind of I noticed that as well about the scene now as well. You know, I mean, uh, not granted that it's COVID to the first two years of COVID, but yeah, like what you say, Kevin, even before then, I I, I don't really hear much of uh, this kind of eclectic, different genres kind of bands coming out. It's always like the safer kind of, more sellable, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of music. But I do hear of a few, uh, okay, I mean, the Art Centre at Aliwal, they have held, uh, some alternative for music gigs as well, mm. but uh, pretty much on a smaller scale. Uh, um, yeah, it was so different in the 90s, remember? I mean, I don't know whether you all have experienced it. The mad, okay, every weekend, the, what happens is every weekend, Saturday or Sunday, we get TNT. Everybody goes there, jam, make music, say hi to our old friends, you know, chit chat. And then evening time, Mass Exodus begins from TNT studio at Siligi all the way to the other end of Orchard Road at Forum there. So that's where we hang out, we hung out, you know, uh, we chit-chatted, we mixed, we got to know each other well. That's, some, that's something that is missing today. Yes. yes. Every, everybody, you know, so yeah. everybody just mixed together. Yeah. And yeah. You know, we were all friends, you know, yeah. like, the kind of music you played. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's what's missing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember if you were playing at the, the Santosa Music Festival. 
Was it yeah, with Bon Jovi? Yeah, yeah. And Jimmy Bunn. Yeah, correct. Yeah, exactly. You, you guys were the last band to play before Bon Jovi came out. And I remember, yeah, I remember we what, were... What year was that? What year was that? That was like, I think, 93, 94, if I'm not wrong. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And I remember wow. that. I remember what happened was the organizers had put AWOL and OP together. I think because yeah. acronyms in one small little, <laughs> one small dingy dressing room. And um, I'm using air quotes here. <laughs> it's just one small little, small little room. All I eight of us were there or whatever. And it was very weird because we wanted refreshments and they didn't give us refreshments. I don't really remember. And then I think Francis or somebody decided to go and raid the bigger artist rooms like Bon Jovi and Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Barnes. Uh, and then they came back with like two cases of uh, Tiger or something. Which we all ended up sharing. Before DIY, DIY. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Uh. Yeah, they, we were not treated well. Uh, but I mean, we kind of expected that because you are born to be. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, it's okay. I mean, the exposure was, was uh, what matters most. And, and I think I tell something that I remember as always well, a funny story. Like, I remember earlier in the day before the concert, uh, we had to go all go for sound check. And then uh, I remember going on stage, right? Saw this huge, like almost semicircle, almost Terry, Terry Bozio kind of setup, you know, like huge semicircle with so many tongs. So many, I asked myself, how, what am I supposed to do with all these tong tongs and all these crash symbols? You know, so I, I was getting ready to something, I was getting ready my stays, or I was about to sit down on that drum set. The crew came and said, hey, sir, excuse me, uh, this is not your drum set, this is Tico Torres's drum set. <laughs> Your drum set is at the corner. Then you look, low <laughs> it is. four piece drum kit. Okay, like, like, so, come yeah, to Singapore. That was that was a that was, a, that yeah. was my memory. So, so, so funny, I was just about to hit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not my drum set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember they didn't give us a, a soundtrack because after everybody else had done. Uh, it was yeah. too close to our time slot. Yeah, yeah, too, too, yeah. I remember you. You guys didn't get to sound check, uh. Yeah, yeah. Our first song was the sound check. That's typical. So we had no idea what we sounded like because we couldn't hear <laughs> anything. There was no, uh, you know, no hear. monitors. Yeah. Remember there was yeah, no, yeah, no monitors. So all you hear is live sound. I think and I think for OP right, Francis and the guys and myself included. I think we didn't care because we were already quite yeah. drunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's basically the the local band nightmare is opening band sound check. Mm. Right, because they, you're gonna be treated like shit. Basically, they mm. don't really give a damn about you. Yeah. <laughs> then even you said, I say after that, when you start playing, eh, it doesn't awesome. sound the same at all. <laughs> <laughs> all the setting, they don't care. Man. They say, oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay, but never do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was quite memorable for us, lah. Yeah, yeah. It was quite. I mean, because it was quite a big show. It was. It was a huge. It was a huge whole field of people. Yeah. Come, I mean, not coming for us, uh, coming for Bon Jovi yeah. <laughs> and the other guys. Yeah, yeah. I remember feeling a bit uh, bad about it after uh, after the gig as well because, like what you say, la, they treated us like shit, la, basically. There's no other way of uh, putting it. So, yeah, and uh, 93, nah, 93 was before I went to LA. So that's the reason why when I came back from LA and I worked for Jimmy, right, I, 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 I made the promise to myself I, I, it was an experience that I didn't want any other band to experience. Mm. Come on, man. You know, we, we work so hard and this mm. is how you treat us. So that, that's also one of the reasons why mm. uh, Springbow wanted to do better quality concerts than it. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I mean, you know, as, as, as uh, the HOD of aesthetics and co-curricular activities, <laughs> what's it like? I mean, you know, how... As a music teacher, in these times, okay, I can tell you, okay, let me start from the beginning. Okay, let, I'll give you the context. During our days, right, can you remember your, okay, maybe not Chris, okay, maybe Chris, your, your music lessons back then, how were they? Uh, I, I only learned recorder in school. Okay, that's all, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, my time, I think I'm, I'm, I'm older than you, so my time, right, in the 70s, uh, yeah, 70s to early 80s, my music lessons, all I remember is sitting, not even going to the music room, sitting down in the classroom yeah. with a tech, with an exercise book, and then the teacher will be writing down the lyrics of the song, then you just copy. 
okay, okay. Once in a while, she will bring you to the school hall, sit next to the piano, play piano, then we all will be singing our exercise book, you know, our song book. That was my musical experience, you know. So very it's very different now. It's because I think, okay, for the last for the past five years, right, five to ten years, I think nationally speaking, right, I think people saw the importance of music how it can be used as a vehicle, uh, not, not just to teach uh, uh, musical, uh, music fundamentals and, and you know, uh, elements and stuff like that, but also a vehicle to teach values, to teach values, to teach, uh, to build up character, to inculcate or, or strengthen social emotional learning competencies, you know? So these are the things that we are trying to do. And there's a reason why in the past 10 years, music education the landscape has changed a lot yeah the direction we are going now the last time i remember when i was still when i'm in my early years of being a music teacher right or a teacher for that matter i hear a lot of stories uh, that the, the form teachers they themselves the subject teachers they themselves teach music they are not trained but they have to teach music yes yeah. for arts and pe yeah yeah okay that was about 10 years ago then uh the MOE recognized the fact that if you want music to take on another level, the quality to be a better, better quality, then you have to have specialized, specially trained mm. teachers to teach uh, PE, to teach art, to teach music. And, 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 and that's why uh, at this point of time, I think I can safely say music education in primary schools okay, uh, is at a whole new level. Uh, we are leveraging on technology, we are uh, honing and, and, and refining our musical pedagogies. These are all important factors. You know, you can't just go in and teach the musical concepts. There is pedagogy, there is pedagogy, there are musical uh, philosophies, you know, and, and strategies to use. Uh, at primary school level, I can say that it is not so much uh, to, to really uh, 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 teach the children and strengthen their musical skills. Okay, not not that, but I think it is really to ignite that that that, that passion and interest and curiosity yeah. of music, right. the experience of music making, the experience of uh, listening to uh, uh, music from different cultures. So you see, we have a lot of these things going. And, and right now in uh, music education, I think Kevin also can, can attest that, you know, we even have books specifically to highlight music, uh, local musicians, Art yeah. Fuzzles Inside, Kevin's Inside, yeah. it's called Stories We Sing. And, and this, this is a beautiful book, I use it as well. In fact, from primary school level to, to secondary school level, all the music teachers are encouraged to use that. So it's to supplement our, okay. uh, our musical curriculum. What, what book is this again? Stories we sing. Stories we sing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That one. Okay. So uh, the connection was made to Ray actually, right? So Ray actually recommended because uh, so there's this organization uh, called Star, right? So it's a music teachers academy, right? So they teach music teachers actually. So basically, they got me and several other local musicians to uh, contribute various things. Like, so they have also a bit like a. Like a bit of a music history as well. So they, yeah, uh, they're very nice. Also, yeah, so you have yeah. the, the, you have the the whole context of the song, you know, uh, uh, how the song was written, what's the philosophy behind each musician's uh, right uh, song making process. So the students not only learn the songs, they learn the context, they learn yeah. the culture. You yeah. know, I think that's very important. Yeah. So yeah. so there are, there are, so there are video interviews with different composers. Okay. We we talk about you know our craft and all that, and also every now and then I will go down there and, and do talks like, to the give talks to the yeah. music teachers. So, yeah. yeah. So, so so this is a, a MOE's way of uh, signaling that you know uh, don't just teach music per se, but we I think uh, for the sake of our culture, we want our students to know where we come from. What are the songs mm. that we sing? What kind of music do we have in Singapore? Because many years ago, we didn't have such a thing called Singapore music, yeah. Singapore music, you know. Yeah. It's very difficult to, to, what is real Singapore music? But these songs in this book, right, is really culturally rich. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, they touch on tradition, they touch on culture, you know, uh, all the, yeah, 
they have Sinyal singers, they have, they have Tam- Tamil songs as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. very yeah, Malay songs, stuff like that. Yeah. So 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 you know, we uh, at this point of time, uh, we are at primary school level, we try to build character, instill values through uh, music making. Uh, we are also trying to bring them out of that, out of their fishbowl to say, hey, you know, these are the cultures of the world, and these are their music. So we teach African music. We mm. teach. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we, we teach different music from different countries. So our music lessons, right, it's not just teach the song, how to sing, how what the melody sounds like. Here's a, this what's the meaning of the words. We go into the culture. That means for me, okay, what I do right as a music teacher when I play, for example, I teach Kokabura, that song. So I, I don't just uh, use the song as a vehicle to teach values, teamwork, uh, song playing, playing on the xylophones together as a class, singing together. But I, I, I ask them, where do you think Kokabura comes from? And that's how I introduce Australian uh, culture. Mm the context into the song. So the children can say, oh, okay, it's not just a song, it's about the bird from Australia. Yeah. And some of the, some of the, our children do not, have not been to Australia, you know, do not mm-hmm. have the, especially neighborhood schools, they do not have the resources or the means to, to go yeah. abroad to places like this. So it is in a way uh, for, like what I said, I bring, uh, going back to what I said, we use music as a vehicle to reach out to these children to, uh, to provide them with uh, uh, as much experience as possible, even though they cannot go to the country. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It's a good sense of worth and also it's a good uh, sense of uh, appreciation. So actually, it's great. Like, I think I think they finally kind of understand that I mean, uh, rather than, you know, push local music away, they should really kind of embrace it in yes. all, its, all its forms. Right, because this is something that you know that the kids can ultimately identify with. But it's good to hear that it, you know, it's it's changed quite dramatically since then. So 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 I mean, uh, the learning outcomes for music uh, today I mean, encompasses many things. You know, uh, it, it encompasses performing, appreciating music from other cultures and also local cultures, creating you know composition, and and we also try to introduce. Uh, what we call musicking, so that you don't just sit down, sing song, and then go back to class. You know, it's about making music. You use this piece of music that you've learned. What are you going to use with? Uh, not just okay. It's not just about singing the song. What else can you do with this song? So you know, we introduce xylophone. It's a very simple stuff at the primary school level. You know, mm. classroom percussion instruments like the castanets, the shakers to accompany the song. So this whole musicking process or this whole music making process allows the pupils to. Wow, Suddenly, see they see beauty around them because we it's very simple stuff. Keeping to the beat, as long as you're contributing to the ensemble, you are performing. So it gives the child, you know, at whatever level, it gives the child confidence. You know, wow, I'm a part of something. Mm. Just like how we feel when we are playing in a yes, band. Yes, yes. You know, the yeah. whole process. I think it allows children to discover themselves mm. and also to to learn how to accept each other's views because mm. you know how. Not everybody agrees, but yeah. <laughs> so I upper primary, and you'd be surprised, guys. At P five, P six, they are they are mature enough to, after a few dry runs, you know, they 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 learn how to okay, yes. come to a middle point. You know, yeah. they learn how to accept, and I think this is a soft skill they really need. Yeah, when they go out to work. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, yeah, and the other thing also, as far as music is concerned, and a lot of people forget, right? It's actually. Music is made out of parts, right? So uh, it also helps them uh, in terms of analysis, right? It hones their analytical skills, right? Mm-hmm. Because they can, if they can see the different parts in the music and how it comes together, right? Then they are understanding, they are breaking down and putting it together again, right? So this is, this is something beyond what a lot of people think of music. But mm-hmm. that's actually a very, very powerful thing that, you know, let's say for young kids, if they can see that, they say, oh yeah, they can understand that it works in different parts. And this helps them up down the line, whatever they ultimately do, you see. Mm-hmm. So I mean, is there where where are we are we going to see Ray behind the drum set again anytime? You soon? know what? I stopped playing ever since Barbershop at uh, by Timber closed down at the Arts House. So it's been almost three years. Wow. But uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, oh, even even before the pandemic, you weren't playing. Ah, uh, yeah, even before. So I mean, about three years ago, Barbershop closed down, and that's when I stopped playing. Uh, but I mean, I still perform for my 
kids in school lah, you know, sometimes they will, they will say, hey, Mr. Ray, please play a drum solo. Okay lah, okay lah. I will indulge lah, you know, show sendiri for five minutes, then you know, <laughs> they will be happy. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't really miss music playing now because now my focus is, okay, I always believe you can always take me out of music, but you cannot take music out of me. Mm-hmm. So, so, so my my focus now is really to to make children enjoy music, enjoy the process of music making, and hopefully that will translate into their adults, into their adult years, you know, in some form, way or another. But uh, I have no regrets. I'm waiting for my next uh, opportunity to perform. So, Kevin, I'm uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. hearing from you. Definitely. <laughs> 2022. On, 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 ons. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but you can expect, lah. I mean, next year, if everything is open again, it, yeah. it'll be a, it'll, people will go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it gets back if, to yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say if it really open. Yeah, fingers crossed, lah. If everything gets opened back to normal again, right? Just imagine the pent up two years pent up. It'd be crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's just great to see you, lah. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't seen each other in so long, man. Yeah, it's been a long time, especially you, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I re- I'm really uh, grateful for this opportunity. Thank you so much. Oh, for... thanks a lot for agreeing to do this. Yeah, you know? thank, thanks. I, 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 I hope. Uh, my sharing has been relevant and, and it's, it's what you are, you are both uh, looking for. Uh, no, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always cool to, to, to listen to all these exactly. things. It's always good yeah. to hear all these experiences from people who have been there and done that in mm. every shape and form of, 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 of this whole spectrum that we, we, we live in. So it, it's really nice. So really, thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts. Yeah, thank thanks. you so much. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thanks, yeah. Anything, you just let me know, lah, okay? Yeah, we'll yeah, do. yeah. If possible, we, if, if they allow more than a few people to hang out together, we can go and get kopi sometime. Yeah. Or beer, lah, or beer. Lah. Yeah, yeah, beer. beer. <laughs> our, our, our teacher's whiskey. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That would be good. <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Really. Thanks. Thank you very much. Really good to see the both of you again and uh, hopefully we can see each other in, in person soon, yeah? Yeah, yep, yep. definitely. I'll see you, man. Take care. Have a good week. Stay safe. Stay safe. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Oh, it's good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Really. Very interesting. Yep. And that was yet another very interesting conversation with some of the people uh, from our Singapore music scene. You'll get all of that and more on the Lion City Rock podcast. So if you like that one, please, uh, well, you know, share, share with all your friends, uh, follow us, subscribe on all the different uh, channels and platforms where you get your podcast. Comment, comment. Yeah. Feedback. Yes, feedback. Please, yes, please drop us, drop us feedback. Yeah. Uh, actually, if you want to do the feedback, uh, you can also do it on Facebook with the Fast Colors mm, page. Fast Colors, yes. Um, that's where we, we hang out most of the time. Yeah. When we're, yeah, when we're doing nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but but drop, drop feedback there. We're on Reddit, so look for us on Reddit, Lion City Rock. Um, look for us uh, on all the all the different uh, socials. We will be there under the Fast Colors banner. That's F A S T C O L O R S. Yeah. Anything else, Kevin? No, I think you uh, that's about it. Uh, just the promise of more to come. Yep. Yep. So with that, we're just gonna say goodbye. Ciao. <laughs>